we love our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, then naturally we would love our neighbours as ourselves. And if we love our neighbours as ourselves, then we are loving God with all our heart and all our soul and our mind. It's a reciprocal relationship. These two commandments are so closely linked. They're like two sides of the same coin, or maybe two sides of the same paper. You can't divide them. But while that seems nice and simple, I think it needs a little bit more exploration. So how do we love ourselves? Well, of course, it's not about ego, is it? It's not about, uh, about looking after yourself and making yourself number one. There are plenty of people in the world that we know uh, that look after that, don't they? Look after their ego. I think there's a, there's a new word for it, isn't there? What is it? I think it's celebrity. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Unfortunately, we live in a culture where loving yourself seems to be a modern theme. To self-promote, to puff up, um, to all, in order to see and be heard by other people. It's, it's about significance, I think. People want to feel significant. Our culture has a different philosophy from that that Jesus was suggesting in these scriptures. What is the world's mantra? I guess if you were to put it into a nutshell, it would be health, wealth, and happiness, wouldn't it? And then perhaps alongside that, it would be look after number one. So the pursuit of health, wealth, and happiness is pretty much ingrained in our modern culture, I think, anyway. But not all of us are healthy, are we? And certainly not all of us are wealthy. And not all of us has found happiness in life. Many of us have. But not all of us has. So how can that be good for all of us? That would suggest that looking after number one is perhaps not the best way of achieving an abundant life. And we all want an abundant life, don't we? I would like to suggest that God's way is better. And it does include loving yourself, but not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way. To love oneself is to look after oneself. In Ephesians, Paul talks about, when he's talking about teaching on marriage, he says this. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, some people do say they hate their own body, but everybody feeds themselves and looks after themselves. So we need to feed and care for ourselves, but not just our earthly bodies, not just this vessel, but the real you. We need to care for our heart, we need to care for our soul, and we need to care for our mind. So we're going to have a look at those. But I'm going to start with soul. Well, what is the soul? Well, the soul is the real you, isn't it? It's the part of you that makes... Um, makes judgments and choices. Not the trivial choices of life, but the real meaningful choices. Like choosing a husband or a wife. Choosing a direction for your life. Choosing a lifestyle or a philosophy to live by. Choosing to be selfish or choosing to be selfless. Choosing to be good or bad. Choosing choices that inform all of our other choices. And of course, the most important choice of all. Do we follow Jesus or do we reject him? You know when your soul is choosing because you give it attention and thought and don't just jump in with both feet. You may consider a major choice in the, in the, 
life for days or weeks before you make the decision. Sometimes it can take years. And it can change your whole life's direction. That's the type of choice that the soul makes. Decisions of the soul are really, really important. We need to make them wisely. So how do we look after our soul? Well, the food of the soul is love, the subject we're talking about. And when the soul is fed, we get that lovely feeling of real security, warmth, and contentment. I don't know about you, but I felt that this morning in the worship. Real sense of God just coming in and being with us. And where does that love come from? Well, of course, it comes from God, and it comes from the people that we love and know best. And sometimes it can come from complete strangers, can't it? And it catches us off guard. Love is the food for our soul. We all know this because we talk about people who have troubled souls, don't we? They are the people who experience very little love, or perhaps no love at all. So how do we feed our soul with love? Well, in the kingdom of God, things are often the other way around, isn't it? We, we want to take something, but actually we need to give. And the truth is, to give love, you need to give love in order to receive it. And if you haven't worked out that in your personal relationships, then you need to write that down. You need to give love to receive it. Because love is a verb, it's not a noun. It's a doing word. So where is the best source of love? Well, the best source of love is God, isn't it? Well, what do we do when we love God? Well, we worship him. We worship him with our soul. And, you know, we have some lovely songs here at Vineyard. And we had a couple this morning which I really loved because I love songs that include the word soul. Where we speak to our soul and we ask it to praise God. And we do speak to it. Oh, my soul, praise. Oh, my soul, praise. Oh, my soul, praise. Praise him. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship his holy name. And then the two beautiful ones this morning. Thank you, Eduardo. What a choice. I was, uh, I was made up. Somebody once said that music is the food of love. And there's some truth in that. But actually, I think it's more like the language of love. Love songs are often from the soul, aren't they? We hear that both in secular songs and in Christian songs. And that's what we do when we sing to God. We're telling him of our love for him. And we did that this morning. Didn't we do that? That was beautiful. And worship's not just singing either. Worship is all that we do for God. In our serving, in our ministry, in our prayers, and in our finances. But there's something very special that happens when we praise and worship in song. We speak out words of admiration when we tell Jesus how much we love him and adore him. And when we tell Father God that he is precious to us. And we've done that this morning. We worship in words of love. But you know, sometimes it's not always that easy to worship, is it? You may not be a person that perhaps feels worship does something for you. And you know, a few years ago, I was suffering from depression. Um, My business was not doing very well. Um, I wasn't happy in church. I saw faults in everything and everybody around me. And worst of all, my relationship with God seemed like it was from a distant past. I honestly thought that God had given up on me. 
Of course he hadn't. I was hurting. My soul was troubled. Then a good friend of mine, Chris, he texted me one day and he said, you need to come home, brother. And you know, we often use that phrase in this church, welcome home. And that's what he meant. Come home, brother. And you need to sit with me on the front row. And he got me to sit right there on the front row and soak in the worship. So I took him up on his offer. And what else could I do? I was at the end of myself. Take me up on this offer as well. If you feel like that, get into worship. Get yourself on the front row. I said, we don't know what the reluctance is of not sitting on the front row, but the front row is a great place to, you've got more room to move, more room to worship. You can bow down if you want to. But when you feel as I did, it's not easy to worship. But I knew from my experience that it's not about how you feel. In fact, the feelings sometimes let you down. You have to make a choice. You have to use your soul to choose to worship, to will yourself to do it. And when you do, you're sending love to God. And he sees that. He really does. Online's not working. Oh, I've got to talk into this. Online's not working. Sorry, online. Um, um, obviously, something's not right. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you have to make a choice, as I was saying. And when you do, you're sending love to God. And he sees that. He sees the openness of that. He sees the purity in that. And he sees the willingness and the selfless act of worshipping him. And then he lavishes his love back on you. So get into worship. That love that was always there, perhaps, or is, but eluded you somehow. It comes in waves of warmth, contentment, joy, and peace, and security in him. And that's what we felt this morning. Love shows us that our identity is in God. So look after your soul Make sure you make good choices with your soul and make sure you get it fed in worship. Sure, it will survive on human love and it will be contented for a season, but sooner or later, it will yearn for the love that only comes from God, the love of its creator. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you. And that's that feeling that you get inside where you really need some love. So your soul needs love and your soul needs God. So look after your soul. So secondly, how do we look after our hearts? Well, what's the difference between the heart and the soul, you might ask? It's a good question. And as I've asked it, I guess I'd better give a good stab at answering it. Well, I'm no scholar. I'm just an ordinary guy. And I fell in love with Jesus at the age of 19. And I've spent much of my life trying to work out why I'm here, what he wants me to do, and how I can help change this lost and needy world. And although I have no training in preaching or teaching, and I've spent many an hour, I have spent many an hour thinking, contemplating, listening, and reading about the nature of God. And one of the things that I find fascinating about God is his three-in-one nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see in the beginning, don't we, Genesis. We read that made God, us, made, God made us in his own image. And I take that to mean not only a visual thing, we perhaps look like God, but a thing of his nature as well. 
So if God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, what parts are we made of? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? In Genesis, it says God's image. Then what do we look like? Well, it's in the text we've been reading, isn't it? We're heart, soul and mind. So if we're made in God's image, what bit is what? Well, I'm happy to be proved wrong, and I've thought about this a lot, but my current thinking is this. Our soul is like Father God, the very nature of our being. Our heart is like Jesus, the one who gets things done with compassion and love, and our mind is like the Holy Spirit, the communicator. So if our heart is like the character of God that's Jesus then how do we look after our heart? Again, like, I like simple answers. Follow Jesus. What did, what did Jesus do? See how Jesus sees. Respond how Jesus responds and do as Jesus would do. Jesus is the author and he started it all. He made the Big Bang. He flung the stars into space, didn't he? He made you and he made me. He made all the animals and all creation. He is the force behind creation. May the force be with you. Although he's a little bit more present than that force, isn't he? When he created you, he also gave you that same power of creation. And that's why human beings are so good at creating such amazing things. Just look around the world. No other animal can do what the human being can do. But he wanted you to use that for good and not for evil. So look after your heart. You need to take life um, he has given you and make it work for good. Start by looking to Jesus to guide you. Ask him to open your eyes to see what he sees, to hear what he hears, to feel what he feels, and let his compassion move you to do something about it. Your heart, the, the heart is the part of you that feels compassion and motivation, that, you know, that thing that really drives you. But when you love with your heart, things get done, don't they? When Jesus read Isaiah 61 in the temple at the beginning of his ministry, he read this, and it comes from um, Isaiah, but it's in Matthew as well. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, this scripture speaks of action, doesn't it? Because our heart is the part of us that moves us to act. So action is what the heart needs to say healthy. If you want to love your heart, we need to let it move us to action. Like our bodies need exercise to keep them healthy, our heart needs love in action to keep it healthy. That is why we use the phrase, he or she put their whole heart into it. It's an action word, isn't it? Our hearts need to have motivation and compassion to live a life worth living, a life of abundance. And if you want to know more about the nature of the heart and how to move and act in love, then you can find that all through the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament about how our heart should motivate us to act rather than how our fleshy nature would naturally want us to act. Let's have a look at another scripture. This is in 1 John 3, verses 16 to 19. 
This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth, that is Jesus, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. A word of warning, though. What I don't mean when I say uh, action is what your heart wants is follow your heart, which is a common phrase these days. It just means ignore your mind, ignore your soul, ignore God and the people around you, and just go with your heart's desire. Hmm. Lots of people do that, don't they? We hear it a lot. Oh, just follow your heart. But it often leads to a brief moment of joy, but in fact, it hurts a lot of people that are around us. And at its nature, it's selfish. I don't advocate following your heart without connecting your mind, your soul, and more importantly, God, in your decisions. So if you want to love your heart, then respond to it. Act when it tells you and seize an opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life. This is what Jesus did when he walked the earth, didn't he? He listened to his father's heart and he acted on it. So if you want to look after your heart, then, you don't, then don't be complacent. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. It's about getting involved. So I would suggest join a serving team. Start somewhere. Pray for others and focus your efforts off your own needs and wants and onto the needs of others. Ask God what is on your heart for me to do today, Lord. Look after your heart. So then lastly, mind. How do we look after our mind? Well, love your God with all your mind. How do, we, do I have to explain what the mind is? I don't think I probably do. Everybody knows what their mind is, don't they? We have a pretty good idea. It's where all our thoughts and most of what occupies us on a daily basis is, right in our minds. So it's definitely worth looking at, uh, looking after, isn't it? We definitely need to look after our mind. And food, the food of the mind is knowledge, isn't it? But not all knowledge is good. So we have to apply some wisdom to the pursuit of knowledge so that we know what is good and what is bad. And we know that Solomon, the wisest man that walked the earth, perhaps other than Jesus, asked for wisdom and knowledge. And if we have a look at this uh, scripture in um, Kings, Solomon was in the temple and had been giving burnt offerings to the Lord. And then that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for what you want me to give you. Give me wisdom and knowledge, said Solomon, that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And then God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions or honour, remember what we mentioned earlier, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. What a great scripture, eh? I think the best prayer we can pray is, Lord, give us wisdom. It really is. And Paul had something to say about that as well. In Philippians 4.8, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Simple really, isn't it? Ask God for wisdom and think about good things. Nice and easy, but easier said than done. I don't know about you, but my mind gets full of rubbish. Some of it good rubbish, I guess. Some of it harmful rubbish. And you know, I've been working in uh, television for over 30 years now. And one of the phrases we use in TV, I'm on the technical side of things. So um, one of the phrases we use is rubbish in, rubbish out. And that's to describe, if you start with a good picture and sound, you've got more likely you're going to get good pictures and sound when it gets to the other end. But if you start with rubbish, you know what you're going to get at the other end. And in the same way, if we feed our minds with rubbish, then what does it do to us? What is the result? There have been plenty of studies looking into the effects of violence of, in uh, games and movies, in children in particular, haven't they? And obviously, uh, the more that you watch them, the more you get violent thoughts. And for some, that means we become violent in our actions, doesn't it? There's a classic example of rubbish in, rubbish out. So to love your minds, firstly, you need to look at what we're putting into them. And there are plenty of opportunities for feeding our minds with what we see and what we hear and what we experience these days. But it takes some wisdom to choose what is good for us and what is not. I know Mark mentioned a few weeks ago in one of his talks about being choosy about what we watch on TV or film. And have you noticed that things that were, that were seen perhaps dubious or even abhorrent only a matter of decades ago seem to be perfectly normal now? Things like watching a pornography. It slips into our soaps and our, and our dramas. Somehow it's seen as perfectly normal. Gambling. It's exciting and a worthwhile pastime, not a vice anymore. Sure, that's true. All forms of sexual activity are accepted as somehow healthy. Relationships are portrayed as easy come, easy go. It's not working for you. Move on. Never mind the people you're hurting along the way. And the love and pursuit of money is very much at the heart of our culture, isn't it? In fact, I would say the love of money is the nation's God right now. And we all know what Jesus said about that, don't we? These are all themes that run through not only our television and films, but in literature, online, in forums, through influencers, via via YouTube, and in blogging. They're also underlying themes on all forms of social media. So be careful what you stick in there. In Romans 12, 2, we find some wisdom on the subject, don't we? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So let's have a look at what's good to put in your mind, shall we? Well, first of all, it's obvious this. This is the word of God, the Bible. This is the book that has all the knowledge and the abundant life that you need. Many of us think of it as a history book. And of course, it is. It's a great one. 
And it has some great stories and parables that give us lessons of morality and warning, as well as stories of great compassion and love. Some people think of it as a guidebook, and I guess it is a guidebook. Some people as a blueprint to life. And some think of it as an instruction manual or a reference book. And it is all those things, I think. But I like to think of it as a treasure map. Not the kind of treasure map where you have to follow the clues, work out what they mean, and then finally, and only if you're clever enough, find the treasure. (laughs) But no, a treasure map it is because there's treasure in every book, there's treasure in every story, in every chapter, and in every verse. Now, some of the books in here are more difficult to understand than the others. I'll give you that. But it just takes a little time to read it. The best way to read it is to ask God what he means and let him show you whilst you're reading it. Keep your ears and your spiritual ears open. If you've not yet discovered the joy of reading the Bible, then can I suggest you start with the Gospel of John. It's all about love. So secondly, we have the Bible. Secondly, people. Listen to others around you. God has put put you in this place called Vineyard. It's called Vineyard because vineyards are full of fruit that's juicy and ripe in season. So you can eat it, be satisfied. Well, that's certainly our aim here, isn't it, Mark, I think? So God has placed you here with all these lovely people around you you who you can call and help you understand the relationship that God wants us to have here as a family. And we are a family. Part of loving one another is helping each other to get through life together, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying that every conversation that you will have is full of wisdom, knowledge and understanding. I've certainly had some that aren't. But when you do need some help, there are plenty of mature Christians here that are are able and willing to help you. That is why we have connect groups. And if you're not in a connect group, please, please, please have a look. Join a connect group. That is why we have teams to serve. That is why we have equip to teach us. That's why we have breakthrough to to teach us how to pray. And that is why we have a ministry team to offer prayer at the end of a service each week to help you understand your identity and purpose in God and to help you through difficult times in life. And we'll do more on that next week. We also have a great preaching team and a leadership team headed up by our senior pastor, Mark, who bring us wisdom and knowledge through studying the word. Listen to them. And that's just what we have here at Vineyard. You also have other people in your life who can bring wisdom and knowledge. I often say that my wife speaks with great wisdom as she sees things differently to me. And I'm sure if you have a husband or wife, they see things differently to you. It's part of the great tapestry of marriage, isn't it? She sees it from another perspective. She can catch me off guard sometimes and say something that's so pertinent to a situation I'm in at the time. I know she hears from God. She really does when I'm being dumb. So don't discount the people around you. Don't discount your husband or your wife. God gave them to you for a reason. And same for your children. You know, we say out of the mouths of babes come pearls of wisdom. You hear some amazing things come from children's mouths sometimes. Here's some other stuff as well. um, No is the main one, isn't it? Hey, you know, God even used a donkey 
to speak to Balaam, didn't he? What a great story that is. <laughs> when he was being stubborn. If you want to read that story, it's in Numbers 22. Well worth a look. But one thing that I find really annoying, and do you mind if I have a, a little bit of a rant? How am I doing? Oh, we're running out of time, Mark. It's Christians who think they don't need to listen to anybody. It's like they have a hotline to God. Bring, bring. And they only hear from him themselves. Back in the day, we used to call them super spiritual and not in a good way. We need to listen, listen to people God has put around us and then weigh out what they say and what they say and test it in the word. So be careful and choose who to listen to. Don't just listen to anybody. Plenty of things people say on the surface can appear as wisdom, but cl on closer examination could send you down a blind alley or perhaps even tell you a lie. Choose people you have a good relationship with. People that want to speak into your life. They will be the ones that have good maturity in God and have your best interests at heart. I guess I should call the band up, but we're running out of time, aren't we, you Mark? I must finish with this, though, because if I didn't finish on this, I would be wrong. Lastly, the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus in your life, you make a choice to follow him, don't you? With your heart, with your mind, and with your soul. And in exchange for that, God gives you his spirit. You put away your sinful desires that lead to death, and instead you accept the spirit of God, which leads to life, eternal life. So if we have God's Spirit in us, then what better person to listen to than the Holy Spirit? When we want to love and look after our minds, the Holy Spirit is the best source of wisdom and knowledge that we can have. And of course, how do we do that? Well, firstly, we do that by prayer. And prayer is not just an opportunity to ask God for stuff. It is that opportunity, but it's more of an opportunity to listen. We only have to look at Jesus for that. He went into the wilderness. He also went into the, the quiet place so that he could hear from God. How did he hear from God? Through the Holy Spirit. The Apostle, in the, the Apostle Paul in Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians, and all the other letters, teaches about life in the Spirit rather than being a slave to sin. Read those. Look them up. So we should listen to the Holy Spirit to inform us, to build us up, and to tell us what's on God's heart. And when you pray, ask God for what he sees and what he wants you to do. You may be surprised at the answer. And finally, when we live life in the Spirit, we can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, can't we? Not a subject for today, that would take too long. But we also receive the fruits of the Spirit, and they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Anybody not want those in their lives? So if you want to love your mind, feed it what it needs, wisdom and knowledge, but not any old knowledge, but that which comes from reading the word, listening to mature people around you and being guided by the Holy Spirit. If you truly want to love your neighbour as yourself, you need to spend time loving yourself by looking after your soul, your heart, and your mind. Thank you.